Warning, 30 Screams or Less may contain spoilers about movies that have recently been released. If you haven't seen the movie, go watch it, come back, and enjoy the show. Or, if you don't want to waste your time watching the movie and rather have two random horror dudes watch it for you, we got you covered as well. Welcome everyone to 30 Screams or Less, a horror movie podcast where we review horror movies in 30 minutes or less. Today's movie we're going to be talking about is called Saw X, Saw 10, however you want to slice it. I like to say X, some people like to say 10, whatever. Directed by Kevin Grutart, written by Pete Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg, starring Tobin Bell, Johnny Smith, and Siobhan McCody Lund. The plot of this movie is... A sick and desperate John travels to Mexico for a risky and experimental medical procedure in hopes of a miracle cure for his cancer, only to discover the entire operation is a scam to defraud the most vulnerable. Before we go into this whole review, I wanted to do a little recap of the weekend. Corey, I went to Spooky Empire. I wish you were with me. Dude, I wish I was there too. I saw those photos you posted afterwards, and there's a lot of people there that I haven't met yet. Um, yeah. I have a question though. When you met Kane Hodder, why didn't he give you the old squeeze? Oh, he actually said he wasn't allowed to. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I he think must it was have hurt part someone. of. Yeah, I think he did. <laughs> he's a big dude. He's got just a lot of mass to him. And it's not like he's like fat or anything. It's just like muscular, just big dude. Oh, I know. And, Trust me. He fucking choked me out a few years ago. Yeah, he's such a cool guy, though. Uh, so he was top of my list to meet. Actually, it was Kiefer Sutherland at the top because I was like, I got to meet Kiefer Sutherland. This is fucking crazy. Did you? No, I didn't. Because the cost for the autograph was $100, which expensive. Okay. But he was not doing photos at the table. So he was only doing autographs at the table and you had to pay to do the photo ops. And I don't know if you know this, the photo ops are unbelievably expensive. So no, the- I'm no. I had no nope. idea. All right. Well, his photo op was like $145 on top of the already $100 for the signature. It's just like, it's too much. I couldn't justify it, right? Couldn't justify it. So obviously second in the list was Kane Hodder. I was like, all right, I got to meet Kane. I knew I had to meet Kane because the dude's a fucking legend, right? So I met him naturally. I'm starstruck a bit because, you know, he's one of the best Jasons, if not the best Jason. So I was talking to him, you know, said hello, got his autograph, took a photo. Like someone behind me took the photo for me. It was great. It was great. I walk away. I send my friend a photo of Kane Hodder and myself. And she's like, why is it so blurry? I look at it and I'm like, oh, what the fuck? So the person behind me in line must have been shaking or something trying to take this photo because it's all blurry and shit. It looked like I took a photo with a Nokia from like 2005. Well, I mean, it was an iPhone, so. Oh, talking shit. Yeah, definitely took it with a potato regardless. Yeah, yeah, I did. So, yeah, I got to meet him. Uh, That fucking shit happened. I went back to that, right? And I'm thinking maybe they'll let me take another photo. Who knows? We'll see. It doesn't hurt to ask. I go back. 
let them know the situation, showed them the photo. They're like, oh, okay, let's get a teenager to take that photo for you. I'm like, sick, because I know they'll get that right. Teenagers these days, they know how to take photos. Let me tell you. Yeah. Did they charge you? They did not. No, Kane actually apologized to me. I'm like, what are you apologizing for? It's not your fault. Yeah, he's a a cool dude. And I said to him, hey, I'll see you soon again, uh, because you and I have a photo op uh, tomorrow. And he's like, all right, I'll see you there. So uh, that was Friday. Friday, I got to meet Kane Hodder. I also got to meet Doug Bradley. Doug Bradley is so fucking cool. This is how cool he is. He really knows how to give back to his fans because all these people you're meeting, right? They're all charging for their autographs and their photos at the booth. So he just charges for the autograph only and people get to take a photo with him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so he clearly doesn't need a photo to pay for whatever. He's good. He just wants to give back to his fans. Everyone else, I get it. They want to make a buck. Completely understandable. I'm not knocking him for it. It's pretty standard. We go to any wrestling convention, you have to pay for a photo, right? It's usually not as expensive, though, that's for sure. I'll never forget, I went to, I don't know if you were there, when we went to that thing at the Lowell Spinners Park. Were you there there. for that? Okay. I was. Yeah. So were you with me when I met Samoa Joe? I was not. I met Samoa Joe and he only charged $5. Oh, that's a nice dude. This Just is like him. right before he signed with WWE too. So. Oh yeah. Now it's probably like 25. Maybe well, a little, maybe a little more. Yeah, probably. So who else did you meet? All right. So after meeting Doug Bradley, so like Friday, Basically, I I met those two. I walked around a little bit, did my thing. Then I was like, okay, I'm just going to go home. So Saturday comes and I decided I was going to meet Daniel Harris because I've had a little crush on that one for like in my teenage years. She's a babe. She's an absolute babe. I can't help it. She's been around for a long time. She has. She's a few years older than me. So she's ancient like me. You're ancient. I turn 38 tomorrow. Oh, shit. That's right. Halloween is your birthday. Yeah, you'll all hear this next week, but yeah. All right. Well, everyone, be sure to wish him a belated happy birthday. So don't do that. Everyone, make sure you're doing it. I'm going (laughs) to let's flood your your Twitter with happy birthday, Corey, just like crazy. I'm going to block all of you. Good. Actually, I have a friend who uses people's birthdays on Facebook as a way to figure out whether he wants to keep them as friends or not. That's that's so dirty. (laughs) Yep. So like they pop up and he goes, oh, I don't know them. Unfriend. (laughs) I like it. That's a good method, though. Unfriending people on their birthdays. That's (laughs) so fucking dirty. Uh, So dirty. Um, So, yeah, I met Danielle Harris. She was great. Um, Who else? I met. um, Oh, wait. Ricky Rackman was on Sunday. I meant to ask you. I saw the photo. Who who is that? um, He's the guy who was the host of Headbangers Ball. Oh, oh God. So he's like yeah. a Jose Mangan. Yeah, but he's Jose Mangan before Jose Mangan was Jose Mangan. Did Ricky appear everywhere you were at the convention, just like Jose did at, uh, now I no, can't, Silver no, Screen? Yeah, no, there was no ghost of Ricky. Oh, you know what it was? Okay, Saturday I had my photo op with Kane Hodder. So Kane was dressing up in his Jason 10, Jason X apparel, which was the final form where he has like the robotic look and shit. So he was dressed up as that. I took my photo with him. I didn't get a digital version. They only gave me a printed version. So I need to take this printed version and like scan it so I can show people on social media. But because it's fucking sick. You have a photo with Uber Jason? Yes. Oh, man. I have to see that. Oh, you'll see it. Just send it to me. All right. Yeah, I'll take a photo. I can probably do that right now. My room's dark as shit. Let me see what I can get. Get a scanner. Yeah, actually, I do have a way of scanning photos on my phone. So I'll scan it. I'll send it to you. So does he talk while he's in costume? 
He did when I offered him a, a drink at the VIP party. Oh, really? I'm like, Kane, if you come to the VIP party, I'll buy you a scotch or something. And he's like, all right, I'll see you there. I'm like, fuck yeah. And did you end up doing it? No, because fucking dweebs. That's all I got to say. Fucking dweebs, right? Hear me up. So you go to a VIP party and the whole idea of a VIP party is fucking people going, hanging out, maybe rubbing shoulders with celebrities, drinking, having fun, right? Everyone decided to just jump on all these celebrities and try to get photos, like trying to get selfies with the celebrities nonstop. All the celebrities after about an hour left because, because people didn't know how to fucking chill. Yep. You know, because, yeah, I wanted to simply, for instance, I wanted to go to Ricky Rackman, right? And just say, because he was at the table with all the dudes from Testament. And I just wanted to go up to him and be like, hey, thank you for, you know, bringing heavy metal into everyone's lives, basically. Because at NTV, he hosted that show that was all about metal. And that's how a lot of people found out about heavy metal. So I wanted to thank him for his time, but he fucking peaced out because everyone just kept going up to him and wanted to take a photo. I don't know. Maybe they were trying to save money and not have to go to the tables and pay to get a photo taken and an autograph. Even though Ricky Rackman was only charging $10 for a photo and autograph. It's not like he was breaking the bank here. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, so everyone left. Kane Hodder eventually showed up, like just randomly. He just popped up out of nowhere, and people immediately all over him trying to take a photo. I'm like, come on, people. Take it easy. They have the tables and photos and all that stuff for a reason. They're here to just vibe. So that just aggravated me, right? I thought it was so dumb because I just wanted to, like, you know, maybe chat with some of these people right couldn't do that i don't know the people are are dweebs and they just want to be like oh let me take a photo real quick it's like you know it's you hear about this shit all the time on social media about celebrities they're out to dinner or something like that and then you have that one fan that's running up to them trying to get a photo whether it's like they're eating dinner they're in the bathroom whatever you hear about these stories all the time and these people just need to know when a good time is to do these photos or not. Yeah, it's a little, it gets a little excessive. People it pressuring was. them. and Exactly. They all felt pressured. So the next day, when I go up to Ricky Rackman finally and, and say thank you for you know bringing metal into a lot of our lives and you know helping the metal community, and I was like, dude, I wanted to go up to you last night and just say you know thank you and offer to buy you a drink. And he's like, yeah, dude, I was there for like less than an hour. I just couldn't be there anymore. People kept asking for photos like crazy. I'm like, see what I mean? That's what I mean. Is that people just don't know how to fucking chill. So, so side note, I'm looking at the, um, the guest list right now. Cause I wasn't sure who was there. Tom Savini canceled again. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> he always cancels. <laughs> I'm never going to see that guy in person. I'm almost sure of it. That's two conventions you've been at in, what, the span of three months, and he's canceled both of them? Yeah. I think I have a better chance of mailing my mask back to be like, can you sign this? Because you're never (laughs) going to go to a convention. Did you bring it? No. I at least knew in advance he wasn't going to show. So Mm -hmm. as soon as I saw that, I'm like, well, that's good. Because, I mean, the place was only 15 minutes from my house. Okay. That's good. So, So even if he showed up or didn't show up and I had the mask, I'd be like, well, I'll just go back to the car and drop it off real quick because it's not like I'm lugging this thing across the friggin' country. So it wasn't a big deal. But Sunday, uh, Sunday was the low key day. It's that's when I met uh, Ricky Rackman and just kind of wandered around a little bit. I went to a panel on Hatchet. That was Adam. Yeah. Was was Kane there? Kane was there and Daniel Harris was there. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, obviously Adam Green, he directed the whole thing. Sucks that Tony Todd wasn't there for it. Yeah, that would have been cool to have the four of them, but that panel was probably my favorite of the whole one. Why did he cancel? I don't think he gave a reason for canceling. Usually mm. they don't. Uh, I didn't see Enzo Amori, by the way. <laughs> he he didn't show up at all. Shocking. Yeah, I think he just straight no-showed. I saw a few of them. I saw, you know, um, uh, Kevin Nash was there, Devon Dudley. Obviously, Robin England was there. Elvira's line was crazy long. Was I'm she like, in costume? No. Mm. She was just at the, the table and everyone wanted to get a photo and autograph from her. It must have been like 300 people deep. Easy. Oh, shit. It was wrapping around like the outside of the hallway. So she and had a Chris Jericho type line? Yes. She definitely had a Chris Jericho type line. It was very long. I didn't really have any intention of meeting her. She wasn't on my list. Didn't really care to. Yeah. And Robert England, I probably would have met him if I was bored, but... I mean, he's in a lot of good things. Obviously, he's Freddy Krueger. But you and I have established... Oh, I got to tell you, this is funny. But you and I have established that his uh, character is a bit of a, a diddler. You know, that's the whole <laughs> that's the whole background is that he uh, kidnaps and kills kids. So and... we, watched, we watched Freddy vs. Jason last night, and I forgot how in-depth they go into that in the beginning of that movie. Oh, they do? I didn't realize that. Yeah, they were just talking about how he likes little kids, specifically little girls. Yeah, so Freddy Krueger is a diddler. Yeah. Sorry. You know what? I'm not going to apologize about it anymore. I think people are starting to finally realize, oh, okay, he's a cool character, sure. But the background story, yeah, it's a little taboo. It is. Jason, Jason on the other hand, is just a cock blocker. So what was the story you were going to tell? Yeah, so the story I was going to tell is... One of the people from Nightmare on Elm Street 4, they came over to Kane and they just, you know, said hello, just wanted to say hello real quick, you know, and I'll talk to you soon. And the lady goes, oh, who is that? And Kane Hodder goes, oh, she's from one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. You know, Freddy Krueger, a, he's a pedophile. Kane Hodder called Freddy Krueger a pedophile. And I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one thinking this. That was the highlight. And that was the time I went back to get the photo taken. So not only did he apologize for me for the bad photo that was taken, not even by him, I got that little nougat. That he, was... um, it's too bad that um, CJ Graham wasn't at this one, too, because I'd love to see those two banter back and forth. Oh, God, I've seen CJ Graham. He is a hilarious bastard. I would love to see the two of them go back and forth, like you said, just bantering, because I would pay to see that show. Those yeah. two are absolutely hilarious. I mean, CJ Graham during his panel at uh, Silver Scream was just talking shit about Kane the whole time. I should like, have brought that up. <laughs> in, a, in a Like he wasn't being mean about it. They're obviously friends, but yeah, it was funny. Oh, it, it was great. It was um, I remember that being a fantastic panel, too. So um, I don't know, like however you want to slice it. The guy from Jason, too. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Warrington, I think is his name. Um, not Jason, too. Friday the 13th, too. That he was the one that played Jason in that. He um he kind of reminded me of one of those guys you see uh, hidden on younger girls at your local dive bar. Oh shit! I mean, good for, good on him for being able to do that, right? But he was uh you know he had the bedazzled shirt on, right, and the skinny jeans, and you know he's drinking. I don't I don't think it was Jaeger bombs or anything like that. But you know he's like talking to young hot girls. And I'm like, good for him. He's got a little bit of that uh, flair to him. He seems Friday, like a nice guy. Friday, he's from part four. No, part two. Well, yeah, but who are you talking about with the uh, jacket? The one who donned Jason in the Friday the 13th, too. 
Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah, the initial like introduction to Jason. Yeah. So he seems like a cool guy, though. I remember I was just hanging out, and uh, I don't know. I was on my phone checking something, and I was at the VIP party. And randomly, he just shows up in front of me, and he's like talking to this other person. I'm like, what the fuck's happening right now in front of me? Warrington Gillette. Yeah, Warrington Gillette. That's it. No, he seems like a good dude. I'm just busting his chops. Mm-mm. Sure. Right. Um, yeah, we'll have him on next week, and then you'll be like, Steve was busting your chops <laughs> about wearing a bedazzled shirt. But I would have liked to talk to him, too, because I haven't met them all yet. So I've got two down. There's been four in total, right? Four people to, to don the Jason mask. Well, CJ Kane, what, Tom? No, Tom, Tom? Tom Morgan was just a stuntman, right? Right. Uh, uh, Derek think, Mears. Okay. And then the, there was a fourth. I can't remember who it was. Okay. Uh, Warrington? <laughs> the guy we were just talking about. Yeah. Okay. So the whole weekend was fun. There was a panel from the Lost Boys. That was great. I had Kiefer Sutherland and a couple other of uh, the gang. I can't remember their names. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I just gravitate more towards Kiefer Sutherland's character because he's the head vampire. He's awesome. So, And then uh, I ended my weekend by watching a panel with all the people from Jawbreaker. And I was the like, band? Eh, no, no, the movie, you know, with Rose McGowan. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was a panel with a few of them and it was okay. After about like 10 minutes, I was kind of just like, ah, I'm, I'm out. I went and got something to eat instead. Holy Overall, shit. Side, side note. There were actually back to the previous conversation about how many people have played Jason. So your guess was four? Uh, I think four or five. Eight. Eight? Wow. I'm a fucking idiot when it comes to Friday the 13th movies, apparently. We both are. Yeah. I'm also counting Ari Lehman, which was baby Jason. Baby Jason? No. Baby Jason. <laughs> yeah. No, a little guy. Uh, okay, how many fucking Friday the 13th were there then? Because Ten. Kane Hodder was in like six of them. Five or six of them. Yeah, so Kane Hodder was... He was in, I think... Uh, feature, uh, he played in four different movies. Okay, so, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Yeah, I th- okay. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, six was CJ Graham. So then uh, five, four, three, two. Those were five probably... Five was Ted White. Ted White. Richard Booker. Four. Warrington Gillette. Two. Wait, who was three? Uh, Ari Lehman. So Ari three. Lehman. Three was Booker. Booker. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's uh the whole slew of them. And then there was someone that Ken Kersinger played Jason in Freddy vs. Jason. And then you have Derek Mears that played him in the, the reboot. Oh, okay. Wow. There were a lot of people that donned that mask. But my boys are Kane Hodder and CJ Graham. And then you have eight that have played Michael. Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. But... I, I do like the original guy. I don't know. He has that Michael Myers feel to him. And I think it maybe just we got used to him at first. Yeah, for sure. He's always who you hear when someone talks about Jason. It's always him. Absolutely. Overall, great weekend. Corey, I highly recommend when it comes around next time to come on down to Florida and check it out. Well, next year we may have to make a trip. Absolutely. We'll make that happen. So it's uh, It's always a good time. But... I think we can start getting back on track now. So the movie we're actually reviewing today is Saw 10, Saw X, Saw 2.5. No, 1.5. I'm going to call it Saw 1.5 because it takes place in between the first Saw and second Saw, right? So it kind of takes place in the middle there. So after Shawnee Smith's uh, Amanda character goes through the trap and then becomes an accomplice, and then the next one where she's like in that house with all those people. So um, with that in mind, 
30 Screams or Less starts now. Corey, what did you think of Saw 10 slash X slash 1.5? So I like 1.5, first of all. That's actually what? really good. Because it's definitely not 10 because everything goes in order in this series. But um, I, I love this. I loved it a lot. Um, granted, you know, Saw, Saw as a franchise has made... There have been a lot of lackluster films in this franchise, but the first Saw movie, like nothing compares to that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Saw 2. Saw 1 and 2 are probably the best ones. And then you have like that piece of shit spiral that came out. Was it last year or the year before? Something like, like that. We, we've been waiting for like a return back to the Saw, you know, the roots. Yeah. And we, oh boy, we got it in this movie. And it was a lot of character development for John Kramer. They literally made you feel like he wasn't the villain. He wasn't a bad guy. He just got a bad rap. Exactly. He just, just dealt a bad deck of cards and a bad hand of cards, I should say. And he just made the best of it. That's what he did with his life. I love that aspect of this movie is that there was way more character development. I feel like in the past decade maybe right something like decade 13 years it's been a while it's been like a lot of saw movies that come out these movies have started to become torture porn and the only reason they were being put out is to be more and more and more over the top than the other is like how bad can we make these traps to make people like completely destroyed as opposed to it being the core story of these people are doing this because they've lived a just a bad life or just squandered their lives or whatever yeah. right uh, and that's what i i like about the character john kramer like we've learned throughout this whole franchise is he's only hurting these people that are pieces of shit that yeah. have done bad things in their lives he's not just going out and picking up a random person on the street and torturing them no not at all he's doing this because these people deserve better and they need to realize that they can be better and they can be stronger in the face of adversity. That's essentially it. So a lot of these Saw movies that have just been coming out for years, like I was saying, there's no real character development. I can't even tell you any of the people that were killed in any of these movies because they're just kind of thrown in randomly. They're given a name, a quick little story about how they've wasted, squandered their lives, you know, that type deal. And that's it. And then they're fucking toast. The fuck was that? Was that your, was that your, uh, that was me impression of, uh, the Saw person? Yeah. Yeah. Of Jigsaw? My impression of Jigsaw. Hello, Corey. <laughs> I'd like to play a game. Nailed it. Thanks. So, so, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I love how this movie opens up, too. It's John in the hospital getting uh, an MRI to because he knows he's sick. And, you know, he's in there getting an MRI to let him know how bad his disease is. And he just seems human. Um, you know, he's not the monster we've come to know as for past 10, 11 movies, however many it has been. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we just we're just spend a lot of the beginning of this movie learning about that person. Yeah. And that's what I loved about this movie is like it's completely I feel like completely different than the others. There's better writing to it. Clearly, clearly, clearly better writing. The other ones are, I don't know, they all seamlessly transition together, but it's, for some reason I can't resonate with any of them. Anything past three, I'm like, what's happening? I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I can't grasp it. I can't grasp it. I don't there know There was really why. no backstory after three. It was just kill this person, kill this person. Here's a twist. Here's another twist. And I think maybe that's just why I can't remember any of it. It just, there's nothing to it. There, nothing about it made me go, oh, wow, that was good. Or that stood out or something. Didn't, nothing, it didn't do it for me. This one, however, is fantastic. 
fantastic all the way through because it flips the whole franchise on its head and gives us something unique that we can actually latch onto. Like, obviously, we know this, the kills and the torture shit is going to happen, but at least we now get a better story from it. You know, we're actually finding out why John is the way that he is. I mean, they did touch up on it a little bit in Saw 2, right? Where John was in a car accident. He tried to kill himself and he pulled something out of his stomach and he saved his own life. We know that, but this is like, that's obviously like way towards the beginning. Now we're figuring out John's whole reasoning for trying to get better and why he's doing these things. In that aspect, I think it's great. And I think we really needed something like this to really uh, rejuvenate the whole Saw franchise. And I, I fully expect we're going to get another five movies. Oh, yeah. And especially the way that the post credit scene. Um, I don't know if you watched that, but I did for once. I okay. actually did. <laughs> yeah. So the post credit scene, I mean, we'll talk about that a little later, but I think there's going to be another one. They're going to build off this gap in the middle of maybe one in three. Maybe a 2.5. 2.5, <laughs> because now we've gotten the whole, I mean, we'll talk about it a little more later, but as, as you mentioned before, Amanda in the first movie, she ends up becoming John's apprentice mm-hmm. and they bring her back for this movie and it's fucking awesome. I love the reveal with her. I thought it was yeah. so, I literally like jumped out of my fucking chair when she showed up. Yeah, I got all excited. I don't blame yeah. you. She's awesome. I've liked her since she's done the blob. You know, the remake of The Blob? Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Sha- Shawnee Smith? Yeah. Yeah, that's the first time I saw her. So, like, seeing her in this now, she's like one of those kind of scream queens. You know, or like, she's she's in the top tier of women in horror movies. At least, I that's what I think. I think she's in that top tier. I'll be real honest. I don't know what else she's been in besides The Blob and this. Yeah. Well, the Saw franchise. Yeah, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, to be honest. But we can consult the Google machine. That's Shawnee Switch that I typed in. That's not a name. That sounds more like a porn star name. I was just, <laughs> I was just about to say, what came up when you typed that into Google? It looked like some sort of, uh, I don't know, company. Known for every single Saw movie, basically. Right. That's what I, I, I don't. Oh, The Grudge 3. Oh, okay. She oh, was she in, was in Repo? X-Files as well. Yeah, her first starring role was the remake of The Blob. That's how I knew her from. And then other than that, a lot of it looks like just kind of supporting roles in movies, TV shows, nothing really mainstream or like big. Definitely got made her name with the Saw movies. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So the first glimpse of John Kramer, you know, starting to get these, what do you call them, like... Like he wants to start because he killed people in the first war. He didn't. He doesn't actually kill anyone, really. No. Right? No, he um, puts them in situations where they can either live or die. The choice is theirs. So the janitor robbing the sick person in the hospital room. John sees it, and I, I thought right then, I'm like, this guy is so fucked. John's gonna pull him <laughs> into a hospital room and do something. But sure as shit, we get this scene where this dude's in a trap. And he's tied to something that has all of his fingers and he's got both arms in this trap. All of his fingers are tied up and he's wearing, well, he's wearing something on his head. Yeah. And we weren't sure what it was. I was initially thinking that it was like these tubes were going to send down some sort of acid liquid. Oh, right. No, these tubes are attached to vacuums. And basically all this guy had to do was his hands were on these knobs and he had to turn the knobs all the way to the number six. Mm -hmm. That's all he had to do. But every time he made a turn, it would break one of his fingers. Yeah. 
if I was in that situation, easier said than done. But if I knew one of my fingers was getting broke by this and I started feeling that suction on my eyes, I'd be like, you know what? Just all the way. Just break them all at once. Yeah, right. Get it over with. No, yeah, this dude. this this dude's too slow. And I, I noticed that to be a trend with this movie, too. People were too slow getting out of traps and then they fucking mm-hmm. die anyway. Yep, exactly. And so this guy, fucking eye stuff again, man. Eye stuff. Gets his eyeballs sucked out from these tubes <laughs> and just bloop, bloop, just drop into this little friggin', I don't know, uh, tank. And then we shoot to the next scene where it doesn't actually happen. John sees the guy. The guy notices that John saw him trying to steal shit and he walks away. So that was just John thinking that shit up in his head, which great opener. I thought that was awesome. Of course, we had to get something right off the bat because everyone was going to be probably bored for the whole entire thing. Otherwise, they needed to get their gore porn in. And the good thing about that, though, is like now that that was out of the way, now we can start doing the character development. And that's when John, you see him at those meetings where he's just uh, there's support groups for people that have cancer. And there's this one guy in there that's, you know, talking, telling his story, whatever. And he's in this like fourth term uh, of cancer right so he's basically he's at that point where it's more end of life type situation and then john is out for coffee one time and he sees that guy the same guy that was stage four that's what i wanted stage four so stage four pancreatic cancer and john's like you're still here and the guy's like yeah i found this experimental treatment and go to this website you can learn about it they can probably help you out john ended up calling them or actually no he emailed them or something like emailed them via a form on the site whatever she calls back and they start talking about the treatments how it's going to work he needs to go to mexico automatically like if you have to go to mexico for a medical treatment usually kind of a bad sign in movies it's always yeah. that's kind of always the case you don't want to do that that's what I thought. I'm like, man, Kramer's not stupid. Why does he buy this dude's bullshit? Yeah. So she was feeding him some real bullshit on the phone saying, come to Mexico. We'll fit you in. We had a cancellation. Probably someone dying. Always the case. So he gets down there and and he gets brought to the place where this shit is happening. He's introduced to everyone, which is, it seems nice. It seems like it's legit, even though it's a bit uh, hostile kind of deal. You know, in Hostel, where people are being brought to the building, and it looks like a fucking an oil refinery or some sort of warehouse-type building? That's what it looked like. It didn't look like a place you'd want to go to get surgery. That's for sure. Not at all. No, not at all. Not at all. Essentially, some shit goes down. John finds out that these people were just fucking with him the whole time. The whole thing was fake. During this surgery, he sees a video happening. Turns out the video is actually like a a how-to on brain surgery. Like, where do I get that freaking tape so I can learn how to do brain surgery? Shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just go on YouTube instead. I'll just learn how to do brain surgery on YouTube. So, yeah, all that shit happens. He's basically set up. They take his money. He finds out they never even did the surgery. They just had him laying on a bed, and now he's pissed. Now he starts kidnapping people and putting them in the scenarios. Like the first guy, Corey, the taxi driver that drove him to the location. Oh, I was so fucked. Explain. All right. So this dude's got these like, I don't remember. Also, he has something attached to his head. I don't remember what it was, but he's got um, these types of 
let's say armbands on his arms mm-hmm. and there's these john explains it to him it's like this galvanized steel like rods that are through his skin connected to his bones right yeah and he's got them on both arms and he also has scalpels taped he's got scalpels like duct taped around his hands and john tells him that the only way to get these things off of his arms is to basically cut his arms open and dig these metal bars out of the shit yeah. that is attached to his bones so gross oh my god <laughs> so he starts digging away in his arms like it's a fucking mashed potato buffet and he ends up getting both of them off but he dies anyway I don't remember what the thing around his head was. No, he didn't die. He, he survived. Didn't? No, he um he took these things off because they were explosives. That's what it they was. Were... They blew up when he took them off. Yeah, so he had to get them off within three minutes. Otherwise, they would blow up his arms and he'd be fucked. So he managed to get the things off. And I think John called an ambulance or something for him. And that was that. Yeah. Where, yeah. So this guy obviously wasn't going to tell on John. Because he knows he was in doing some real sketchy shit. You don't want to implicate yourself. Cops would be like, well, why do you think he did this? The guy would be like, well, I don't know. He's messed up. And the cops would automatically know, like, I don't think so. I'm not buying it. You did something to cause this to happen. Cops would know. They're not all stupid. So he survives. John starts kidnapping people. Actually, Amanda starts kidnapping people. We think it's John maybe in the pig outfit. But you and I, we're not dumb. We've seen the other saws. So we know this is probably Amanda. But when we got to see that it was Amanda, finally, like, the reveal was fucking great. Yeah, dude, like I said, I have a, I jumped out of my chair. I was pumping the air and everything. It was, yeah. it was pretty cool seeing her. It really was. It was really cool seeing her back in the fold because she was toast in uh, Saw 3. That's when, uh, like, I don't know how much you remember of Saw 3. But she uh, was putting people in these traps that they basically couldn't get out of. They were put in scenarios where there was no escape and then they died. But John's traps, he knows like he puts these people in the traps with a way for them to get out. Her traps were completely murder traps. That's what they were. And yeah, she, she just wanted to kill people. Yes. And she went about it all wrong. And John, he tested her that whole movie. I watched it recently. It's not bad. I would go back and check it out. I would say on the ladder of Saw movies, it's like the top three would be one, two, three. That kind of deal for me. That's what I would go with. Technically, didn't didn't John and Amanda both die in Saw 3? Yes, they both did. Okay. Yeah. So you would think that was the end. And then somehow it just kept going. And Oh, yeah. And that's from like, you know, the... The teaser at the end, the uh, post credit scene where they talk about that detective being the apprentice to John. That's what I'm saying. So we're going to skip ahead a little bit here. So the post credit scene. Yeah, it's fine. We got where like 10 minutes. The post credit scene is where Kramer gets this dude, Henry, that lied to him, that basically sent him to Mexico to be scammed. It was him and Detective Hoffman from the first movie, mm-hmm. who is also became one of Kramer's apprentices, which is why I think the next Saw movie is going to be Jigsaw and Hoffman. And then Kramer's probably going to die. And then maybe Hoffman takes over. Maybe they rewrite the whole thing. I don't know. The problem is, is all these movies have already come out and now they're kind of trying to go back. Like this probably wasn't the plan when they made all these movies. You know what I mean? They were like, we're just going to make these movies and release them as is. And people started getting pissed. Yeah. I honestly think they probably released the first one, not thinking it was going to be 
so well received because it's a very low budget movie. Yeah. And there's not a lot to it. They used a lot of classic tricks to give that kind of feel like the car chase. It was just two people in a soundstage with lights flashing around. There was no car. There was no chase. Like they would do stuff like that just to keep the budget down, keep locations like to maybe one or two at most, things like that. Mostly soundstage stuff. So, yeah, it's weird to me, though, because like we were just talking about Kramer dies in the third movie. And obviously there were what? Let's say six more, not including Spiral, because that's I don't yeah, even we, remember if it was Jigsaw. It wasn't. But um, so we have these other movies here. They relied on flashbacks. That's how they kept Kramer in the series was yes. flashbacks. Yeah. And I think they just probably wanted to do the one. And then it's just like people loved their gore porn during that time where you had your hostel coming out, Saw was coming out, and I don't know what else there was, but I think that was a trend back then where they were trying to be as like gory and violent as possible. It was like there was a brief period in time for horror movies where it was just like gore for the sake of gore, I guess. Yeah, and nothing was, nothing I don't think ever came close to this. No, no, the, not the original Saw film, anyway, because you had Carrie always fucking sawing his leg off. And... Yeah, oh, that was <laughs> just gnarly. Yeah, he just the look on his face when he's doing it is pure madness. Mm-hmm. Like him, just like I gotta get through this, and that's a great scene. It's a fantastic scene. It and is, then... and, it's, and they draw it out. It's not like it just happens. Like you see him struggling to cut through his leg. Yeah, and the guy's like, "Oh my god, no!" Yeah. <laughs> I actually saw that movie twice in the theaters because I loved the ending so much. And then I was like, I have to go back and see this again. I got to see if there's anything I missed. So I went back a second time in theaters to see this. I thought it was that great. It's a fantastic movie. I could see why they wanted to keep the franchise going because if they could keep up that momentum, then they could have a really good thing. But then, yes, it started turning into gore porn, no character development, and they would just tie some things together and have some weird little twist at the end, and boom, there's your Saw movie. It almost became like a template. Okay, we just got to make sure there's a twist at the end, some super violent stuff, and then we just add in a little tension in between. Boom, Saw movie. That's how it was done. <laughs> that's just, that's, that was a formula. That's the formula. That's how the formula was. This one was not that formula. This one was totally different. I will say this. The tests in this movie were violent. Oh, my God, were they violent. Like the girl having to hack off her leg to Dude. for the bone marrow well so i love the fact that when john enters the room when he gets all these the people that scammed him in one room and set up in their traps he starts with valentina and valentina has this thing around her neck that he describes to her this dude like ancient like technology a very sharp wire essentially yeah. that he tells her that she has to use this wire to saw her leg off go through the bone you know, basically cut the whole thing off and use this like suction device to suck out her bone marrow into this like receptacle type thing. Yeah. And if, if she doesn't do it, she has the same wire wrapped around her neck. The wire around her neck is going to literally behead her. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. And they draw they draw this out. I think this was like a 10 minute scene of her just hacking her leg off. Yeah. And she just like you can see her kind of like back and forth. She's holding it like. It's called a geely saw. I had is to that look that up. Okay. Yeah, it's like a, just kind of like a wire saw. And it almost looks like piano wire, but it's got like little blades to it. So she's basically, that's what she's doing. She's like, she has this friggin' wire and back and forth, just 
hacking away at her leg, going all the way through, sticking that tube in to try to fill up that vat of bone marrow. And then, yes, yeah, she can't do it in time. She's like a second off and boom, head gone. So now she's in pieces on the ground because head's gone, legs gone. It's literally just torso, arms, and one leg. So it's uh, it was gnarly. It was very gnarly. And eventually that comes in handy to an extent when they take that girl's intestines and use it as a rope. It was kind of corny, but it was creative. It was quite creative. I was like, all right, I've never seen this happen before. Let's go with it. So they started using her intestines as a rope to pull a cart that had a cell phone on it. And so the lady, uh, the lead lady, basically the one that's behind the whole ruse, if you will, she makes a call. Turns out this call is to her boyfriend or something like that, right? And you know what? I'm just going to skip ahead. It's fine. Turns out the guy that she called is actually the same guy that John met before his surgery. The guy was claiming that he had some sort of throat cancer and that he had the surgery and, you know, he's optimistic, all this stuff. Turns out he was in on it and he was trying to play it off like he wants his money back and he's trying to get them. Somehow, John knew all this shit. Actually, no, wait. I know how John knew all this shit. He called the detective to see if he can get more information on the guy. And he found out. So that's the cool thing, too, is there's one scene where John picks up a phone and he calls, like you said, the detective. The detective was Amanda, right? Or was it was it Hoffman? I think it was Hoffman because Amanda wasn't a detective. Hoffman was a detective. Yeah, but they could have like she probably still had access to stuff. Well, I don't think was Amanda ever a detective. You're right. It's probably just Hoffman. I think it was Hoffman because I think Hoffman was probably, you know what? Now that I think about it, Hoffman, I went back and Hoffman was first shown in, I believe it was Saw 2. And then he was more pronounced in Saw 3. Or maybe I'm getting my shit mixed up. But because there's a whole bunch of them and sometimes I lose track. Maybe Hoffman was really in on it much earlier in the series than how they portrayed it. Like, they just ramped him up as soon as John was dead, but maybe it was a thing with him. Maybe him and John were friends for a very long time. Maybe that's how they go after this. They show the relationship building between John and Hoffman. Maybe they go into that detail. I'm not saying, like, a romantic relationship. I'm saying, like, they find each other. They have this unique idea on how to get back at these people, things like that. Who knows? Maybe they go into a little backstory like that. And then John shows him the way. I'm just speculating. Maybe I'm giving out a movie idea for movie executives. I hope they get back to making one of these every year like they were. Yeah, because it was fun around Halloween all the time. They were putting this shit out. It was great. We so we never talked. We, we never talked about the guy getting brain surgery. Oh, yeah, because that was right after. Was it Valentina? No. Yeah, uh, it was. was. Valentina. Okay. When, after she sawed off her leg, he was next. So yeah, it was like, so... it was like uh angel of death by Slayer brain surgery yeah. with no anesthesia. <laughs> surgery with no anesthesia. <laughs> yeah. So, so this dude, he's got three minutes to take a piece of his brain and disintegrate it in a vat of acid to, I don't know, raise the water or, or something like that. It's very weird, but three minutes to one Carve a hole in your head, like cut the skin. Two, use a bone saw to make it through your skull. And three, use a scalpel to cut away the film of your brain and cut into it. How do you do that in three minutes? There's I no don't way. know. Uh, he didn't do it though. <laughs> no, he no. He, he apparently, failed. yeah, he failed. Of course, he failed. Like at the last second, he failed. So it seemed like a lot of these traps were designed to make them fail with one second remaining. 
And I don't know if maybe that was just them going way too slow or if it was symbolic to um, all these people had one last chance and they were like probably seconds from dying and now they die in the last second. Maybe that. So I don't know, but that guy, that guy got it rough, but I think Gabby got it worse somehow. Gabby got annihilated. Oh my God. But Gabby survived. Well, right? sort of. Sort of is right. she. Pro- she would have been let free if Cecilia wasn't such a bitch. Ah, oh, Cecilia's a bitch. Yeah. So and we so, never get to see her die. No, we don't. But I think she maybe does die. Uh, maybe of starvation or something. Maybe she's just locked in there forever. Because obviously that place is abandoned. No one's going to it anytime soon. Yeah, that's it's kind of left up to imagination there. Yeah, movie imagination. Movie imagination. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think maybe she died. So that would technically be the first murder for John to just leave a girl to die in. Wouldn't true, that be he, a, mm, I don't know because he, he turned off the gas. That's true. He did give her that, but so. oh yeah, she was, she sucked. So yeah, she killed Gabby, even though Gabby survived being hung by her arm and leg in front of what is a borderline microwave. Dude, and, it was a fucking, um, was it like a radiation thing? Yeah. Yeah, it was a radiation thing. So, I mean, if she had, like, if she had testicles, she ain't having kids anytime soon. So John strings her up, like you said, by her foot and her ankle, or her arm, and gives her a sledgehammer and tells her that if she wants to get out of these cuffs while she's being burned alive, she has to smash her own wrist and foot with this hammer, which she does, and then falls to the ground. So she technically wins her game. Steve, as you said earlier, we find out that Cecilia's got a partner in this whole thing. He comes in and uh, lets Cecilia free and Cecilia steps on Gabby's head and breaks her neck. And John and Amanda were so upset by it because she won her game. She had her chance. She fought and survived and they didn't care. They were just like, whatever, one less person we need to split the money with. And it all comes down the money. So this next part, this is where John gets bloodboarded. Oh yeah. I thought we were going to have a dead kid. Oh, we almost did. Like, so close. Not to mention he's going to be a dead kid anyways. So there's this little child who's probably, say, 10 years old that we see in the beginning of the movie playing soccer in Mexico. And John basically befriends this little kid. He's like, he's going to be, you know, a famous football player one day or a famous soccer player one day. And eventually this warehouse that they're all holed up in, they can hear this little kid. He just appears and he's kicking his ball against the wall of the warehouse. And Cecilia decides to use this kid as bait to make John do her her bidding. Yeah, basically to get the money and for John to essentially suffer for what he's done. So him and this kid are strapped to like this seesaw type table, right? And they have to use a switch to tilt the seesaw in one direction or another. And what's being poured onto them isn't water, it's blood. Now, my question is, how did they get this much blood to do a bloodboarding for both people? Lots of pigs. Oh, shit. That's a good call. I'm thinking human. I don't know why I thought that. Pigs? Yes. Lots of pigs. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, I assume it's just pig's blood. That makes sense because John had a thing with pigs, you know, with the the pig mask. And in Saw 3, the pigs that were hanging down from the conveyor belt and getting grinded up trying to drown a guy in dead pig, dead pig blood pieces, whatever, flesh, it's gross. So he does have like a lot of things that have to do with pigs. So you're right. You know what? Now that I think about it, probably pig blood. So that's probably how he got so much of it. 
So him and this little kid are being bloodboarded. So the blood is pouring down on their faces. They're basically choking. They can't breathe. And they keep hitting the switch back and forth because when someone hits a switch, one of them gets to breathe. So it's like kind of a back and forth deal. The kid's being a badass. He's pulling the switch so he can be bloodboarded and John gets to breathe for a little bit. And the crazy thing about this is that the whole time we're paying attention to how absurd this is. And Cecilia and her partner, they go upstairs, they go to the room where John and Amanda were hanging out, watching this whole thing unfold. She grabs a bag, what she thinks is money, and it sets off a switch and and a timer. Dude, this is another part where I literally jumped out of my chair because the original Saw theme started playing right at that part. Yeah. Because you realize that John thought of everything and he just fucked these two people over. Yeah, and think about how smart you need to be to do that, right? Plan the whole entire thing without anyone else's knowledge and know exactly what they're going to do. It, that part was wild because I'm like, how the hell would he even know that? And then I'm thinking to myself, well, he's a civil engineer and he's a mechanic or whatever. He's all these things. So he knows how to predict people's habits and how to set things up to behave a certain way based on certain conditions. So he just knows that shit. And yeah, yes, and the like music. When, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say when the music hits and all the doors lock, it triggers the bloodboarding machine to stop and it lets the kid and John free. Like it just stops pouring. And he had these things rigged up just in a way where he could reach under to the collar part and just yep. unlock it. He was just able to walk away. Yep. Easy. And you know what I forgot to mention too is that her partner, he says to Cecilia, you were the last person in this test. Why is this trap designed for two people? So he was questioning it. And as soon as she pulled the bag, that's when the switch happened. And John knew that they were going to pull that shit because he got a tip from the detective that Cecilia's partner, well, was part of it. And he planned this whole thing out perfectly. And it was great. It was brilliant. It was a a good ending because Cecilia ended up killing her partner because she wanted air to breathe out of this hole that only fit one head, naturally. And great ending. I thought it was a great ending. My only complaint is we didn't get to see Cecilia die. Yeah, I could see that. um, Which makes me think she's going to be in the next one somehow. Oh, you think so? Maybe she's the new villain. Oh, maybe. Maybe she tries to turn into uh, her own little jigsaw. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like she'll be back somehow. Like the next movie will open with her escaping. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I hope, she, I hope she's suffocated on gas. I hope she just, uh, you know, just died in it. I think yeah. maybe she just hung out there. She can't get out. It's literally locked. She has to find a way out. Even though all those windows are like smash proof somehow in that old rickety building. I think she's going to be stuck there. She's going to die in there and that's it. But who knows? Maybe they find a way, movie magic, to get her out of there, and then she becomes the supervillain for John Kramer. I don't want movie magic on this one. No? Okay, that's fine. Corey, what do you give it? This gets five out of five easy dead kids for me. Like I was saying before, this is one of my favorite franchises of all time, and it's had several, I'm going to say shitty movies in the whole franchise, but the first three, perfect. But I love how this takes place between the first and second films, explains why John is the way he is. The kills were brutal, creative, and they kind of made you root for the bad guy. Did you feel that at times? Like, I love that they made you do that. Oh, absolutely. And I love when they do that in movies where they flip the script. And I know you're not going to like this. Hear me out. Uh, the movie Devil's Rejects does the same thing. Ugh. So I know you don't like Rob Zombie movies, but it does the same thing where the three of them are awful people. They're horrible people. 
And then there's this one guy who his name's William Forsythe. I've got his uh, autograph on my wall. He's my dude. He was the sheriff and he was going after these people. And the sheriff was such a badass and wanted to kill these people that you were almost rooting for the bad people, like those three, to get out of the situation. So I love when that happens in movies where you really are not supposed to like John. On paper, you are not supposed to like this guy at all because he does really bad things out of the best intentions. You know who did that too? Thanos. Thanos did something really bad out of the best intentions. And yeah, you, you would think you shouldn't like him, but we end up loving what he does because there's a reason for it. It's a good reason. He's helping people trying to find that part of them that may be missing, that part of the human genome of being able to survive, right? And John is awesome for that. But yes, he kind of is an asshole, if you think about it. A little bit of him is an asshole, but he has good intentions. Corey, I'm going to give it a five out of five as well. I think this was a complete rebranding of the franchise. It needed a refresh. It's the highest rated of all of them since Saw 1. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't, but I, I can believe it for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. The character development, infinitely better than all the movies after Saw 3. Even Saw 3 had its eh to it. I think uh, the overall story and payoff on the third one was, was great. But other than that, like all the Saws after that, no character development whatsoever. I don't even know why Chester Bennington died in that movie. In, well, I don't know, it was Saw 4, 5, 6. I don't know. I don't remember which one because none of them stand out to me. So this was literally the best rated one since Saw 1. Character development was great. The kills were great. They're important to be in there. It's, it's important to have the kills. So I'm just but reading. The character, the character development is what like really does it for me. So I'm reading trivia right here about this movie. More so, did you know? So while editing the eye vacuum trap scene, editor Steve Foreigner received a visit from the Los Angeles Police Department after his neighbors reported screaming coming from his office. <laughs> oh, oh, that's oh here's, a plot, here's a goof. John's email address is listed as Gmail when contacting the clinic in 2001. Oh. However, however, Gmail was not launched until 2004. Oh, little precursor there. Whoops. Whoops. No, maybe he was part of the invite only. Imagine inviting only John. Dude, that's right. That was a thing. I, I was, I got an invite. Same with um Google Plus. Remember Google Plus? Oh, I remember Google Plus for sure. Google Plus. Google. Yep. Google. Yeah, I know. I kind of gargled that. I do remember Google Plus. It was confusing. I just couldn't understand it. It's too much happening. But yeah, I was part of the crew that got invited to Gmail and they were like boasting unlimited storage for your mail i'm like that's sick well actually no wait not unlimited it was oh actually no it was unlimited and then they finally went to like a two gig thing which more than enough space for friggin email let me Dude, tell you i pay for extended storage because i use it for photos too oh that's a good idea it makes sense um it's like you know, two dollars a month for like a terabyte or something yeah it's worth it it's fucking cheap so it's uh yeah that's that's a good goof also a bit nostalgia feels on the internet browsing I don't know if he was using Netscape Navigator or something, but holy shit, that looked like some classic shit he was using. It kind of looked like, uh, yeah, Netscape, like an old Microsoft Edge, whatever, or yeah, Internet Explorer. Edge. Yeah, oh, you're right. I'm sorry, Internet Explorer. Yes, it was Internet Explorer. And I remember back in the days where I was trying to download Internet Explorer using my AOL dial-up connection. It took overnight, <laughs> overnight, easy. Even sometimes say, two days. You, you start the download and like come back a week later and it's probably like 70%. Yeah, it would say like 
455 days remaining or something stupid. And I'm like, <laughs> well, this is going to take a, a while to update. Oh, man. I don't miss those days at all. You know what? I kind of do. And kids will never know. Kids will never know pure patience. We had the patience of a saint, let me tell you, because we would wait a week to download Internet Explorer. Let that sink in for a second. We would wait a week for downloading Internet Explorer. And the way we got our internet is through disks coming in the mail randomly. Free trials. Free trials, of course. You had a free trial every single month. You didn't have to pay for AOL. It was great. Developed a lot of patience back then. But I think we can wrap it up now. That's our Saw X review. Corey and I, both five out of five. We loved it. We thought it was great. Highly recommend checking it out. I actually had to buy it, Corey. So I had to oh, buy yeah? it. Uh, yeah, I had to buy it digital. So it'd be great if y'all could buy some merch so I can be reimbursed for that $25. That would be great. I'm really investing in the podcast. Everyone, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on Facebook, X, not Saw X, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review on all podcast platforms so we can get some more exposure. And be sure to tell your friends. We're also a part of the Shining Wizards Network. Be sure to visit ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. They're an awesome podcast network, ranging from wrestling to heavy metal, horror, all sorts of good stuff. So definitely check out all the shows that they have on their network. Also, be sure to visit 30screamsorless.com for all previous episodes and transcripts to go with those episodes. And if there's anything you want us to view, send an email to 30screamsorless at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. Use that hashtag 30 screams to the less. And like I was just saying, I need to pay for that $25 for the digital movie. Buy our merch, please. I want to get reimbursed. Buy a shirt, buy a mug, buy a whatever. Shit. They're all awesome. Yeah, except the handle might fall off when you're drinking your uh, hot coffee. If it does, let us know immediately before you sue us. Because, yeah, yeah don't sue us. We'll rectify it. We'll get it fixed for you. Don't worry. We take care of it. No worries. So if it happens... Don't worry, but it won't happen. It won't happen. Your mug's going to work perfectly when you're drinking your beans. When you're drinking your beans, it's going to even taste better out of a 30 Screams OLS mug. Yeah, just don't put it in the dishwasher. Hand washer only. Hand washer only. It's a way to go. Sometimes best doing things by hand. All right, everyone. I'm Steve. I'm Corey. And thanks for listening to 30 Screams OLS. And don't forget to drink your beans. Mm-hmm.